takes a different kind of thinker to receive that. He's not so conditioned by the world's issues and troubles that you see this kind of life is impossible. But if God would do this for Jabez, tell your neighbor, I believe he'll do it for you. Today we're talking on part two, think big, think big. Tell your neighbor, it's time for you to think big. It's time, tell somebody else, because that wasn't the right person. Tell somebody else, it's time for you to think big. I don't, you still didn't find the right person. Find somebody else. Tell them it's time for you to... Take your seats. Sit down. Hallelujah. 2024, we declare this a year of much more. And I told you last week, God needs uh, uh, believers who will let him do big things in the earth and let him do big things in their lives. I'm reviewing, so just go with me for a few moments here. I told you last week, God thinks big. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the earth. And I talked about last week how big this earth is. And without giving you all the, the details, I remember telling you that the earth is big enough for every human being on this planet, every single being on this planet, every single man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet to have their own 4.5 acres of land to themselves. Ask your neighbor, did you hear what he said? Are you talking about a tiny house, a tiny apartment, a little trailer you want to get and... Maybe one day I can get me a little tent somewhere. And yet the Bible, yes, what, yet what God created in his, in his mind was an earth so big that each person can have four and a half acres of land, not including water, just land, dirt, just dirt to themselves, four and a half acres per person. That's how big. And the earth is always the fullness thereof. God... When God moves, he's not thinking about little movement. God, when he talks, God always talks big. He, he talks big. God talks grand. Hallelujah. God never talks small. I heard Dr. Thompson say, Dr. Thompson, God never talks cheap. God never talks inexpensive. He always talks big, grand, expensive, things that are uh, I preached a message a few years back entitled uh, 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 Living the, the Unaffordable Life. Unaffordable Living. Y'all remember that? And I talked about how God, when he took the children of Israel uh, over the Jordan River, uh, the Jordan River, uh, it wasn't the first time anyone had passed over the Jordan River. It wasn't a miracle to pass over the Jordan River. People did it all the time. You go through the scriptures before that in Joshua. People pass over the Jordan River many times. But at the time they pass and at the point they pass, it took a miracle. Because it was in, impassable or, or if you understand, the, 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 they passed by at a ford. A ford is a place that made it easy to pass by. That's what a ford is in, in geography. It's a ford. It's a place that makes for easy passage. But God had them. He, ran, he arranged it so he can get the glory that they would pass over the Jordan at an unaffordable time. Okay, y'all not catching it. 
so God always wants to do things in your life and put things before you that are unaffordable. I got to come back over here. This, this is my section right here. So if you always want to do what's affordable, you're not giving God a chance to show you how good he is. You are thinking only on your small, puny little level about what you can calculate with your little Casio calculator. But God is saying, if you'll let me loose, I dare you to tell your neighbor, let God loose. Let, let God loose. Let, let untie his hands. God is a big God. And a big God never talks small. Over, over in uh, Psalm 2, verse 8, I want you to see how, 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 how God thinks. Psalm 2, verse 8 in the New English Translation. Look at what it says here. God says, ask me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your personal property. I don't see anybody out there. He said, if you ask me, I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your personal property. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, if I, can, if I can detour for a moment, do you understand the whole Bible, the whole covenant is about land? Y'all didn't catch that. The whole covenant of God is about land. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. When God spoke to Adam, he gave him dominion over the whole earth. Adam blew it, and God came back and gave, gave Noah the same thing. And Noah, they kept going. Genesis 11, they began to blow it, and God found a man named Abram in Genesis chapter 12. And God gave Abraham the blessing of Abraham. And if you read Genesis 28, I know I'm going too fast for most of y'all. But in Genesis 28, uh, when, when, when Isaac begins to speak the blessing of Abraham over his son Jacob, and the, the blessing, you go down around verse, verse 3 and 4, and it says that you may inherit land. The blessing of Abraham that you may inherit land. The blessing is all about you having land because God does not want this earth in the hands of the wicked. He wants this earth in the hands of the righteous. Ask your neighbor, are you one of them? Are you one of them? Because if you're one of the righteous, then God wants this whole earth in your hands. The whole earth is grown and travailing. It's, way, it's grown and travailing because it's in the hands of wicked men. In fact, the, the promised land, when God spoke to about... Man, I'm, let me slow myself down. When God spoke to the promised land, the Bible says that that land would vomit out its inhabitants because of the wickedness thereof. Y'all missed it. You missed it. The Bible says the land would vomit out. You know what it means to vomit when you eat something bad? If the land would, the land, the Bible says, because the land said, I don't want to be in the wicked hands. There is land all around you that's saying, I'm tired of being in these wicked folk hands. They're doing all kind of wicked stuff on me and I'm not here. They can't get me to produce the way I'm supposed to produce. I want to be in the hands of the righteous. And the Bible said that the land would vomit out the, the, the wicked because of the wickedness thereof. So that the inhabitants of the kingdom of God or God's people Israel could come in. All right, let me get back on track. 
Did, did my clock start already? All right, yeah, I gotta. I gotta. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting too, too caught up here. I will give you the ends of the earth as your personal property, as your personal property, it's your personal property. Now, in that, in the, in context, this is this is what we call, cast as a messianic psalm, where it's a psalm prophetically talking about what would happen when Jesus arrived on the scene. The psalm is talking to Jesus. You see there around verse uh, six, seven, six or seven, he says, uh, you are my son. He's talking to his son. But how many of you understand what Romans 8 says, that you and I are joint heirs with Jesus Christ? So whatever promise God made to his son Jesus, if you are a child of God, then you are also, come on, an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. So the same promise that was made to Jesus also is appropriated to you and me. So while this world conditions you and me to think about trying to get some little apartment, some little studio, some little efficiency, just some little house that I can just, you know, have a covering over my head, God is saying, okay, I'll help you with that, but what I'm trying to really get you to is your own personal property. Because I need this land in the hands of the righteous. You know, your Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people groan. So whenever wicked, unsaved people are running things, the whole earth, we wonder why we have earthquakes and tornadoes and, and all these kind of storms and and all these kind of things that are happening is because the earth is saying, I can't take it being in the hands of these wicked folk. Sinners who don't believe in Jesus, my son. Hallelujah. These are not acts of God. Hallelujah. Now, I said this to you last week. Again, I want to make sure I, I speed up this review here. How much the Lord can get to us and through us is up to us. How much the Lord can get to us, to us, that's God's goal, to get things to us, but more importantly, to get things through us is up to us. It's not up to God. I said it's not up to God. I already told you God thinks big. I already told you God is way past where you and I are trying to get to. You missed that. He's already way past where you and I are trying to get to. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. Psalm 119, verse 96 in the New Century Version. I love this scripture, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, everything I see has its limits, but your commands have none. Everything I see, everything in a human in the human element has limitations to it. But God's commands are exceedingly broad, it says in some translations. They, uh, uh, I, he said, I've seen the consummation of all things. I see the end of all things. In other words, anything natural, you can see an end and a limitation to it. But anything in the spirit, anything from God, there's no end. That's why when God said in Genesis, let there be light, in other words, he began creation, scientists tell us today that the universe is still expanding to this day. 
that what God began with a command is still expanding. Because when God speaks, there's no limit to it. The only limit that there would have been to God's command was the container. But because there's no container in the universe, no wall to stop it, it just keeps on going. So, adversely, when God speaks to you and me a command, the only limit is how much we can contain. Am I, am I okay from the fifth row back? I'm going to have to check the first and second row, too. Let's check it out. I don't let y'all off the hook. So his commands have no limit. So, so when God says, I want to bless you, when he says, I will bless you, there's no limit to that blessing. The only limit is how much you can take. Okay, y'all know the scripture. Um, uh, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shaking together, running over. What does running over mean? It's going to overflow. Which means that in our minds, we think, okay, I got an eight-ounce cup, but I got 12 ounces of of, uh, orange juice, and I pour 12 ounces of orange juice in there. It's going to overflow, so it's going to be four ounces left. But when you're talking about God's connection, it's unlimited where it's coming from. So if I never turn the spigot off, and God is saying, I don't turn there, I don't have a spigot. I don't have a I don't have a control valve. I I just keep on pouring as much as you can take. Help me out, help me out, preachers. In the fourth chapter of 2 Kings, when, when the man of God told a woman, go and borrow vessels, don't borrow a few, borrow many, he, he told her, he said, go abroad. Give me, give me 2 Kings 4, y'all, y'all don't know. 2 Kings 4, right around verse 3. 2 Kings 4, right around verse 3. Well, I'll start around verse 3. And just give me the whole chapter. Yeah, oh, that's exactly. Uh, do not, he says, go, go up front, borrow vessels from everywhere. King James says, abroad. Give me King James. They don't believe me. Give me King James. Lord, have mercy. Go borrow the vessels abroad. In other words, it says, don't limit your your collection to just your neighborhood. Because God's thinking big, baby. I don't don't know who I'm going to he said, he said, don't, don't limit your collection to just your neighborhood because God's thinking big. Don't, okay, no, don't limit your, your collection to just your, your little town because God's thinking big. He said, go abroad. Go everywhere you can and collect vessels. He said, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Don't borrow a few because God is thinking so big. All she's thinking about, Pauline, is how to get out of debt so her sons are not taken away as slaves. But you know how the story ends, don't you? She didn't just get out of debt. The, it came so much that the man of God said, okay, take what you got, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and then you and your sons live on the rest. That meant in God's mind, he's thinking so big, I'm, I'm going to go past your debt amount. I'm going to give you multi-generational wealth as much as you can collect. 
all. Borrow vessels, don't borrow a few. You see, so his commands, they have no limit. So as far as you and I, as much as you and I will allow ourselves to receive, God will keep pouring. God will bless us. I told you what's required of us is to think big, pray boldly, expect much. Think big, pray boldly, and expect much. That's, that's the series we're working on right now. Think big, pray boldly, and expect much. So we're in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10. Y'all got that? Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you will bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may cause, may not cause or experience pain. So God granted him what he requested. So I told you last week, Jabez is his name. His name means sorrow. His name means grief. His name means pain. His mother bore him in pain or sorrow. <clears throat> now, I, I, I presented this fact, or this my opinion, or my observation, that we don't know whether it was a physical pain of the labor of childbirth, or was it the emotional pain of fatherlessness? Because we don't see any mention of his father, yet throughout Jewish lineages throughout Jewish chronicling, you see them always mentioning the father. Even if it would also mention the mother, it would, all, it would always mention the father. Very rarely does it mention the mother. We see people like Rahab and Ruth. We, we see very few women mentioned in the lineage because, you know, you, it takes two to, to make a baby. But, but, but in, in the lineage, you'd always see the father listed. And yet in Jabez's story, we never see a father mentioned whatsoever. And so I, my contention to you was that perhaps her pain was actually an emotional pain. Whatever the case, Jabez didn't let that label limit his life. Y'all got it? Notice what it says again. He's more honorable than his brothers. He's more honorable than his brothers. That word honorable, I gave you this last week. It's from, from the Hebrew word kabod, which means to be heavy, to be weighty, to be rich, to be honorable, to be glorious. So we could, we could say then that Jabez, at the end of his life, his story says, tells us that he was more heavy than his brothers. Not heavy meaning fat. It meant he was heavy in terms of, of his, uh, his influence. He, he carried a presence. He had a he walked in the room, everybody knew who he was. Jab, uh, uh, Job, when you read Job between chapters 1 and 42, you read about Job, Job talked about, he said, when I would walk and sit in the marketplace, people would shh. Because he walked so heavy. <laughs> I don't know if y'all get this here. J, J, uh, Job said, I walked so heavy that the people just covered their mouths when I, when I showed up. Oh, that's, that's Job. Who is that? Oh, that's Job. He was the wealthiest man in the whole East and a righteous man who served God with all his heart. But you don't be righteous and broke. <laughs> you can be righteous and rich. Hallelujah. So he's heavy, he's weighty, he's rich, he's honorable, he's more glorious than his brothers. And we asked this question again last week, how did Jabez become more honorable than his brothers, even though he had such a, such a horrible start in his life? And we read from 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10, the Living Bible, when it said he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. So out of all of his brothers, 
all of his clan, all of his family, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. And I told you last week, I'm the one. I don't know about you, but I'm, if nobody prays, if mama don't pray, if daddy don't pray, if nobody else in my family seeks God, I'm the one who's going to come out of all that mess and I'm going to seek God, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to serve the God of Israel. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Now let's dig into this a little more here today. Because Jabez in this prayer in chapter 10, or chapter 4 rather, verse 10, says, And Jabez called him the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Jabez asked God to do something big for him. Something big. Capital B, capital I, capital G. Something big for him. He said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, when you look this up, if you were to study this in in a commentary and pull the Hebrew words for that verse, you will see the word for bless is barak. And that word barak means to, it comes from a primitive root, which means to bless abundantly or greatly. You find the same thing over in Genesis 24 when Eleazar, who was Abraham's servant. If you don't know these names, just look at Google them. Uh, Eleazar, who's a servant of Abraham, our father in the faith. And Eleazar goes down and he meets a girl named Rebecca. Right, he's trying to find a bride for Isaac, Abraham's son. And, and Eleazar tells Rebecca and her family that he, that he said, the Lord has blessed my master greatly. And the word to use there is the Lord has baracked my, my master. So barack means to bless greatly. Everybody say, bless me greatly. But when you read the scripture in 1 Chronicles 4 verse, 9, verse 10, when he says, oh, that you will bless me indeed, you see it there in the Hebrew, and you'll see, oh, that you would allow, allow me to say this, oh, that you would barak, barak. So the word indeed is, comes from barak as well. So in the Hebrew, wake up, everybody. In the Hebrew, it will be, oh, that you would barak, barak me. So he wasn't just saying, Lord, you know, uh, I need a I need a, a quarter raise on my job. Lord, I'm just trying to make it. Me and these old chilling. Lord, I'm. If you could show help me out, I could spare me an extra. I, give me, Lord, I need a, I need a thousand dollars. I think I can make it if I get a thousand dollars. This ain't what Jabez was saying. See, I, I, can, you know, can I tell you? Can I tell you how I feel? I, I think the issue with so many of us is we think we're doing all right, and because we think we're doing all right, because we can pay our bills, and we have food on our table, and we have clothes, and we 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 got a little bit of gas in the car. We think we think we all right and don't understand we may be all right in comparison to um, Pookie. But you're not on the level God's talking about. 
And people who are at the level where Jabez was develop a certain amount of desperation. Y'all not catching me. When you have nothing, you develop a certain amount of desperation. And the danger of having a little something in your pocket like you got is you think you got it going on. And so there's never a desperation for the full blessing of the Lord. Oh, my. When, when, when Apostle Paul talk, said, said to the church, he said, I, 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 I'm sure that when I return to you, I will return to you in the fullness of the blessing. In other words, he says, oh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not just going to come back blessed. I'm going to come back to you in the fullness of the blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And you may be doing all right, but you ain't full. And I'm going to tell you something for all you who think you got it going on. If you think you are full, it's because your container is too small. It's because your container is too small. Your container is only big enough for you. But God's not interested in you just having enough for you. He's interested in you and me having enough that if he says, I want you to go. No, don't call a church. No, don't call a government. I want you to go and take an airplane load in. Into Haiti or into the Cuba or somewhere like that and I want you to do something about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You gotta, you gotta tell your neighbor, you gotta think big. You gotta. He said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Or in our English vernacular, it would say, Oh, that you would bless me, bless me. You ever been, you ever been, you know, when you sweetheart know somebody like, you know, uh, Donna and, uh, and, and Joe, you know, you say, Joe, sleep, wake him up. Hey, you, you sweetheart on him, and you say, I love you. Yeah, I love you. I know, I love you, love you. Yeah, do, no, do you love me, love me? How many of y'all have asked somebody that? Do, do you love me, love me? Do, do, do you love me, love me? What, what do you mean we say that? In other words, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how, how real, how serious, how deep is your love? It's, it's, do, do, do. It's, it's, are, are you a fair weather friend or will you be there to the end? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, 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 are, what are you? I, I, I want to know. Do do you love me or do you love me, love me? See, because when you say it twice, how many times Jesus in the ministry will say, verily, verily, I say unto you. I need you to hear me, hear me. So this is the truth, truth. If you say it twice, it's real. Jabez was so hungry, Jabez was so thirsty, 
Jabez was so desperate. He was so tired of being down on the bottom. He said, he didn't say, Lord, bless me. He said, oh, that you would bless me, bless me. God said, oh, oh. Y'all missing this, y'all missing it. Because God, God knows there are other people in history who said, Lord, please bless me. He said, so here, I'll give you a little bit. But Jabez, oh, oh, you said, oh, you mean bless you, bless you. Oh, okay, okay, you know what? You know, Jay, you know Jabez, I'm, 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 I'm about to go in the back room on this one. I'm, I'm about to. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm going to reach in my other pocket on this one. On oh, Jabez, you, oh, you want a blessing, blessing. Angels. Hey. He said, bless me. Bless me. I dare somebody say, Lord, bless me, bless me. See, to most people in religious church, this would seem like it's something that's sacrilegious, something that is, that is uh, immature or materialistic to ask God. They say, son, you should just be satisfied with what you have. The Lord just give you life and health and strength. If you got a roof over your head, just be happy. Just be satisfied. Because God, this is what it tells us. God, he don't want to hear no prayer like that. God don't, he ain't going to answer no prayer like that. But when I read my Bible, Jay, he said, oh, that you will bless me, bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me. That I, you would keep me from evil that I may not cause or experience pain. And the Bible didn't say that God slapped him. And it say God rebuked him. Don't you ask for stuff like that. You just be humble. It didn't say God ignored him. You have no right to. You have no right to ask me for something like that. No. What does it say, young people? What does it say? Help me! Help me out! Help me out! Help me out! That means God wasn't disturbed by Jabez saying, bless me, bless me. God wasn't turned off. God didn't find this an abominable act for somebody to have the nerve to ask for so much blessing that they would become more honorable, more heavy, more weighty, more glorious than all their family. I don't know about you. Well, you know, you know, mama and them, they never had nothing. We grew up in the hood and, you know, just be satisfied. You, you made it out the hood. That's good. You made it out the hood. That's good. Some of y'all want, you, you just, I, I want to be hood fabulous. Some, hood fabulous. Ghetto fabulous. Hood rich. 
know about you, but I, I'm, I'm, I ain't trying to stay in no hood. The Bible tells me in Isaiah, I'm supposed to be living in peaceful neighborhoods. Y'all better say something back to me. Peaceful neighborhoods. Safe dwelling places. And if you don't think about Jesus Christ's ministry, that he lived around rich neighbors. Oh, I'm going to come over here. Y'all don't like that. Y'all don't, y'all don't like that. Uh, uh. I don't know. I better, I, better, I better deal with this. I better deal with this because some of y'all, some of y'all say, I don't, I don't believe that. He grew up in Nazareth. Yes, he did. But when he got grown, he moved out of the hood to Capernaum. You look up the word Capernaum, what the word Capernaum means, it means seaside village of comfort. In other words, he lived in a waterfront neighborhood. I can't get no help over here. This is my side. This is my side today. This is my side. This is my side. This is my side right here. They sleep. This is my side over here. Seaside village of comfort. He grew up. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, he came out. Can anything good came out? Yeah, he came out. God's ready for you to come out of your neighborhood. Come out of your Nazareth. Come out of the projects. Come out of the slum. Come out of the bottom and come up to a seaside village of comfort. No, I don't mean bless me. I mean bless me, bless me. Any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. That ain't, that ain't what Jabez said. That's not what Jabez said. Jabez said, bless me, bless me. Bless me indeed. In other words, I want the blessing to be so big Everybody knows you did it. So he was thinking big. Oh man, let me hurry. He's thinking big. One of the biggest challenges that God has is to get us to abandon small thinking. His ability to work through us and to bless us is only limited by our thinking. How many understand that you can limit God? This is my side. All my noise comes from this side. You might want to move over there. Come on. You can move over there. You sit right there. You sit right there. This is my side. You can limit God. No, God is all-powerful. Yes, he is. But you can limit God. Psalm 78, 41 says this. Psalm 78, 41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. God's own people limited him. Oh, you can't stop God. God's own people, according to the Bible, 
not your opinion. According to the Bible, they limited God. How do they limit God? If you were to go back around verse, uh, the earlier verses, and right around verse 19, they, they were asking all these questions. They got out there in the midst of trouble, and they kept saying, well, can God do this? Yeah, well, God brought us out, but can he do this? Get, get, verse 19 says something like this. Y'all, y'all find it. Uh, they, they, they spoke against, against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? In other words, they were saying, yeah, we know God brought us out of Egypt. He did that, but we don't know. We out here, we out here there's no Walmarts, and there's no, there's no Publix, and there's no uh, Whole Foods, and, and ain't no Safeway, and what's some other ones y'all go to? Aldi's, and uh, ain't, ain't no Ray Jacks. Ain't no Georgia Meat Market, Southside Market. Ain't no Dave's Market out here. I'm messing with y'all now. Ain't no Wildwood Corner Store out here. Can God make a way in the wilderness? And because they're small thinking, they limited God. And I contend to you today that what's limiting God is not his ability. But our thinking. They were limiting God. Matter of fact, put this on the screen, media. Numbers chapter 11, verse 5. Numbers 11, verse 5. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Crystal, I like how you think. You said, the Lord brought me back. He restored me. She, you're like, you're like Luke 15. You know when the prodigal son came back home, the daddy didn't say, okay, well, you got to go out there and work in the field for a year and prove you're really repentant. you got to work out in the, in, in the year and prove that you're really sorry. He said, bring out a ring. Bring out the best robe. Kill a fatted calf. Put some shoes on his feet. And throw a party because my son, my daughter is back home. So how does Crystal have the nerve to think? She just come back and just start back walking with God and already said, God, I don't believe you for no apartment. I believe you to build my own brand new house. That's a big thinker. And she's doing it. I've seen the pictures. That, that house going up fast. Brand new house from the ground up. Single mama with two kids doing it by herself. Herself and God. If you would think big. If you would just stop thinking so small. Well, I just got saved. You ain't got to prove to God 20 years you love him. He really, he wanted to bless you if you just have the nerves to say, Lord, bless me, bless me. Because can I tell you something? He's been waiting all your life to release what's been in his heart for you. In Numbers 11 verse 5, I, I just want to prove to you they, they were thinking small. I'm, I'm not going to finish this today, so let me just take my time. Numbers 11 verse 5. 
they were out there in the wilderness. They were on their way to the promised land, Pastor. And they got, they had, watch this. You start that verse, that chapter out right around verse 1 or so. It'll talk about how they had a mixed multitude. They had some people around them who were not really part of them, and they were negative thinkers. They were not forward thinkers. They were backward thinkers. Tell your neighbor, you, you got to be careful who's in your circle here. Negative backward thinkers. And, and what they were saying got into the hearts and minds of God's people. And so now rather than looking forward to where God was taking them, they begin to look back to where they had come from. And they said, we remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt. The fish we ate freely. Now, you know they weren't free, right? You, you know they were slaves working for the master, right? They said, we ate fish freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onion, and the garlic. And they say, we remember. So their mind, they're thinking about fish and leeks and onions and garlic and melons. And God is talking about taking you to a land, your own land, flowing with milk and honey. God's trying to take you to the steaks, to the yams. Can I get to the yam? I mean, this, how, how do I, how do I? Y'all knew it was coming. Y'all knew it was coming. It, it's, it, God, God, God's thinking about something way long out there, their own land. In fact, he's, the Bible says in Ezekiel, Pastor, that he searched out the whole planet and found the best land on the planet for them. So here they are, and God's talking about land from, with milk and honey. They're thinking about garlic trays. All they can think about is a garlic tray. So, I got to educate some of y'all. Some of y'all don't know what a garlic tray is. You're not from the bird, from the hood. You may not know what a garlic tray is. A garlic tray is where they have an aluminum tray, a pan, and they cook crabs and sometimes sausage. And, and it's heavily seasoned with garlic. And you'll, you'll see, you'll, 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 you'll see Boquisha them, Boquisha them with the long fingernails and a bonnet. And the lashes. And, 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 and almost any man in town can have his way if he just buy her a garlic tree. We call them garlics. We call them girls garlics. You, oh, she a garlic. She a garlic. Such small thinking. God's got all. God's got a good man for her, and God's got a, a house and a home and children. But all her, all she think about is just her garlic. That's 
Can I get me a garlic today? The children of Israel on the way to the promised land, but got mixed with the wrong people, and all they had in their mind was, God, them garlics we used to have back. Oh, you got it. Y'all got it now. Y'all got it. All right. Small thinking limits God. Small thinking limits God. This is a year of much more, but small thinking limits God. Those folk who are complaining about not having garlic trays, the Bible says their corpses fell. They died in the wilderness. Bible says with many of them, God was not well pleased. They died in the, in the wilderness. They died having never arrived at houses that they didn't build. He had promised them cities. Matter of fact, yeah, I want to correct that because we say houses that they didn't build. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible says, I will give you cities you didn't build. He says, houses full of all good things that you did not fill. Vineyards you didn't plant. Wells you didn't dig. God's thinking big for them, and they have their minds on garlic trays. Tell your neighbor, get your mind off them garlic trays. Get your mind. Get your mind off that stuff back there. Get your mind off that little bit of stuff you had, that little bit of stuff you left. God's bigger than that. I said, God's bigger than that. God's bigger than that. Baby, oh, no, back in the day, when I used to get food stamps, boy, I used, to be able to, I used to eat up something. I used to get them food stamps, boy, I used to be able to eat up something. Get your mind off them little steaks and them little turkey wings. You used to get, God wants to give you filet mignon. He, Thank you, come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Think about something got to go and qualify for something. I, I, no, I'm not picking on you if that's where you are because I used to be on Wick myself. I ain't gonna lie. I, used to, I was a single dad. So I used to get that Wick. Get that cheese and that milk. Them kick cereal. Life cereal and whatever these things to give us. I used to, but I ain't stay there. And you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay where you are. they give me you? Three bedrooms. It's just you and two little old girls. You don't need three bedrooms. But the Lord might have somebody in your future. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You, you make, make sure you bring him by. We gonna, we, we'll scan him first. We'll, we'll scan him. We run background checks, private investigations, and everything. We ain't gonna let nobody come in and mess up what God is doing in your life. All right, y'all got a few more? I got 13 minutes. All right. Small, limit, small thinking limits God. 
so what has, has happened, God, watch this, he has to work to get us, to, to get our thinking bigger. We know in Genesis 12, God told Abraham in Genesis particularly 12, verse 2, he, he told Abraham, I will make you great, a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now we know that eventually God was able to, to fulfill that word. God blessed Abraham, but it took work to get Abraham to think big enough for God to move. God couldn't immediately manifest that in Abraham's life because Abraham, he wasn't a big thinker to begin with. God had to work with Abraham. And so God, the, thank you, Holy Ghost. The Bible says over in Philippians 2, I think it's verse 12 or 13, it says that, the, that God works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So God works in us to will and to do. The reason God has to work in us is because he knows that our inner capacity is too small for what he wants to do. So he has to work in us to get us to adjust, to get us to, 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 to take down the walls, the containing walls we built up. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm reminded when I, a few weeks ago I dealt with those containing spirits. You remember that I talked about that? But, but, but what God had, I didn't get a chance to deal with this too much with you on that. I, I, maybe I'll go back into it one day. Is I found that many of the containing spirits are not outside. They're in us. Paul said, I dealt with troubles without, but I dealt with fears within. And many times the reason we think so small is because of our own personal fears within. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on, boy. I'm, I'm going to buy this CD when, when y'all put it out. The, the, so God. These young folk up there asking, what's a CD? <laughs> I will bless you and I'll make you a great nation. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. But God had to work with Abraham. In Genesis 13. Genesis 13, media help me out, I don't have time to turn to the scriptures. Genesis 13, verses 14 through, 14 through 17. I want you to see what happens here. I want you to see what happens here. That it says, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Now Lot was his nephew that God had said, don't take him with you. Not specifically, but God said, get away from your family. Lot was part of his family. And he took Lot with him trying to be generous. Y'all missed what I said. He took Lot with him because Lot's father had died, and so Abraham thought he had the responsibility of taking Lot with him, but God has said, get away from your family. Sometimes you can be in your generosity and be in disobedience to God. And so, so you know, it caused trouble. It caused him trouble in his life for having Lot. He had to go and rescue Lot men, okay? So, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Do what? Lift your eyes. So notice God is helping Abram. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Not look at the place where you are. Look from the place where you are. Look northward, southward, eastward, westward. So notice what God has to do to help Abraham out. Y'all okay? Yeah. He says, I got to get you to change your view. Right. Right. Yeah. Verse 14, verse 14, verse 14. And the Lord said, lift your eyes and look from. 
So notice that your view must change. Because sometimes the reason why thinking is small is because we have a small view. And we limit our perspective to only what we see right in our immediate space. So he said, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north or south, east and westward. He says, for all the land which you see, I give you. Now, watch this. So God said, lift and look. Lift and look. For all the land which you see. He couldn't see it until he lifted and looked. You're slow. In your spot... If you kept looking only at where you were, that's all I can give you. I want to give you more, so I have to get you to see more. So lift and look. Some people are trapped by their limited view. And you only see, your eyes only focus on where you are and what you have and your station in life right now. But God is saying, no, my son, no, my daughter. I need you to lift your eyes and look from. Look from and look all around because all the land I, uh, you see, I give you into your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants of the dust of the earth. And uh, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants uh, also could be number. Arise. Then he says, arise and walk. Y'all missing you. He says, arise and walk in the land through its length its width, for I give it to you. Arise, walk in the land. So God says, so what, you, what I need you to do then is get up from where you are and walk around. The reason, watch this, why so many people stay in the same neighborhood, generation after generation, is because they've never left, the, left their neighborhood to take a walk. They've never, can I, can, I, can I say something without sounding too political? One of the most demonic things that happened after segregation was resegregation. We're on segregation. Oh, yes, we do. We're back segregated. They, they call it neighborhood schools. That's the nice, cute name for it, neighborhood schools. What a neighborhood school means is you go to the school in your neighborhood. Whereas when I was growing up, I grew up on 25th Street between Lakeview and Tangerine. For you non-Saint people, that means between 18th Avenue and 22nd Avenue South. But I got on a bus every morning, and I was bused to Bardmore Elementary. And because I was bused to Bardmore Elementary, on that bus, the whole ride there and the whole ride back, we got to lift up and look and see. Oh, people live a different way. And, and I was in what we would probably call back then uh, perhaps a middle class black neighborhood. But it wasn't that. This is my side. But it, it wasn't that. 
And then, and then uh, they changed it, and I started going to Madeira Beach Middle School. Elementary school, Madeira Beach Elementary School. Oh, getting on that bus to go to Madeira Beach Elementary School. Now we're going, now we're going to, to school on the beach. And I saw condos and towers on the beach, and I said, hmm. Hmm. I was seeing something. <laughs> but now, because you go to school in your neighborhood, if you don't live in that kind of neighborhood, you never venture outside of your neighborhood to see how other folk live. So when my wife and I got married, because she grew up in the same kind of neighborhood I grew up in, when we got married, when we get in our car and say, you know, we're just going to go dreaming, we didn't, we didn't go dreaming around our neighborhood. And we weren't scared to drive to Snell Isle. Coffee pot by you. Brightwaters Boulevard. I'm driving. You drive through and people look at you. Well, you can't live there. You can't tell me where I'm going to live. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now, where we live right now was a place growing up. They didn't let us folk come around there when we were growing up. People always, the, matter of fact, the only black person I knew lived in that neighborhood was Ernest Givens, and he played for the Houston Oilers at the time. Graduated from Lakewood High School, went to play football for the Houston Oilers, so he had a little bit of money. And they let him in. But if you never get outside of your small... All right, I got three minutes. You got to think big. Lift. Look. See. Arise. Walk. Walk. If, you, if you're going to go car shopping, I know you may buy at one place, but at least walk some other places. I told y'all Deacon Gershman a few years back, we had a two young black brothers, the unmitigated gall Gershman, to go out to the to the to the to the Rolls Royce dealership, Bentley dealership. Just walk around, look, kick some tires. What you, what you what you think about that? That's that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Now, 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 there was no way in the world back then, either one of us had a, a ice cube chance in hell. Of getting that car. But it couldn't stop us from from lifting and looking and seeing and arising and walking. Yes, 
Because what has happened since then is our lives have started progressing towards that. It won't be long now. I said it won't be long now. We're going to go back and get one of them bad boys, and we might as well get two. One for me and one for you. All right, let me, let me, let me finish this. Let me, let me finish it and let, let you go home. We're over time. This is very important. Listen to me very, very, very closely. My wife said this, and I, I grabbed a hold of it, and I ran with it. Some people think they are thinking big. I'll let, let that settle in you. Some people think they are thinking big. Let, let the, I know it's get quiet right there. Because you're like, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Some people think they are thinking big. But small circles and small surroundings can fool you into thinking you're thinking big. Small circles and small surroundings can think, fool you into thinking you're thinking big. And you're not thinking big. You're just, I heard my, my wife say, a big fish in a small pond. Oh, you're not getting it. Um, how, many, how many people like to fish? I asked that yesterday, a few of y'all a lot. Uh, how many like to fish? Okay. okay. The, the, most, the most commonly caught fish when you not, not really don't know what you're doing is some called a grunt. No, you don't catch no mullet on those. On the, if you catch a mullet on a, on, a, on a pole, you something. You something. You old school. Because catch mullet on a pole, you got to have one of them old cane poles. Ain't no rod and reel catching no mullet. You got to have an old cane pole. Y'all so young. Come back over here. Okay. But we have something here called a grunt. You can catch a grunt without trying. Come out, that's what we call it a grunt. And um, this grunt, you know, they run down that big good sounds. You get it big enough. I mean, I've gone deep, deep sea fishing a few times, and I, we've caught grunts that have been sandwich size. We call them sandwich sizes. But for the most part, around here, you know, a grunt's gonna be about this big, this big or so. Now, you catch that, Jaquetta, you're a fisherman. I, you know, I, yeah, you're a fisherman. You catch that, you throw it back. Because it's, it's, compared to what's in, that, in, that, in, the, in the bay or in the gulf, it's a small fish. But if you took that same grunt and put it in your little fish tank at home, it'll look like a whale. Oh, that fish big. Do you see it? Do you see it? That if you, if you keep yourself in small circles, when I say small circles, I mean circles of small thinking people, and keep yourself in small surroundings, then you can 
think you're thinking big, but you're just thinking bigger than the other small thinkers. But that won't get you the kind of results Jabez talked about when he said, bless me, bless me. Look at one more passage, one last passage. Genesis 15, 3 through 6. Well, it was an icebox. We came in here earlier, boy. Now it's an oven in this piece. But don't, don't touch nothing. That's, that's just me. That's just me. I'm the one working. Genesis 15, verse 3. God was still working with Abraham. Remember we read in Genesis 12, we read Genesis 13. Here it is, Genesis uh, 15. God talked about him in 14 too. At the end of chapter 14, God was trying to work with Abraham. Genesis 15. So God keeps working with him. Then Abram said, then Abram said, now God's told Abram what he's going to do for him. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. So Abram's trying to get God to see things how he sees things. He's talking to God. Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Now remember, God had told Abraham, no, you look. He had told him earlier to look at some stuff. Abram says, God, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my, my house is my heir. He's, he's referring to that servant, Eleazar. Verse 4, please. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse, verse 5. Verse 5. Then he brought him outside. He, God, brought him, Abram, outside. Tell your neighbor, God's working with you. Then he brought him outside. He brought him outside. Abram's in his tent in a small surrounding. He's got people, but he's got a small circle. They're all small thinkers. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. So notice God had to get Abram outside of his small environment. Out of his small circle. I've learned, man, God has done so many amazing things. I've learned that, you know, St. Petersburg is progressing rapidly. Greatly. But within the church world, we're not seeing the same thing. There's not been one new church built here in the last uh, seven years, five, five years. Something, something backwards. Get everybody think they're doing all right. So I'm, I'm going to confess something. I was, I was uh, you know, we, we've been, we worked on improving our, you know, we, we spent all the money to improve sound and audio, video, all this kind of stuff like that, streaming and everything, to make everything, you know, as top-notch as, 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 we, as we could. And so I would, you know, kind of turn on other, other churches around the area and kind of see, okay, how, what is, what, you know, what does it look like? What does theirs look like? What does theirs sound like? And so in me, I, you know, because I'm looking at what people are doing, I'm like, oh, man, that's horrible. <laughs> 
Horrible sound. Horrible video. Like they need help. And what happened was I started feeling kind of good about myself. And like, ha, 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 look at us. And about, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Lord said, stop it. Don't watch anymore. Because I realized I, realized I wasn't watching to just learn and listen and, and, and you know, pray over their ministries. I was watching at, to compare and to ridicule. They know it. I would go from church to church to church, <laughs> church, and just watch. And it got to the point I, I started in my in here ridiculing. And God said, "Don't watch anymore." See, and I'm, I'm God's servant, so He can correct me any time of day. And the problem was, I was feeling good because I was comparing to the small circle and the small surroundings. Our oldest daughter, Alexis, reminded me the other day we were talking, and she said, Dad, I remember something y'all said when I was still in, in a little child in school. And she said, you, you used to tell us, you, you and step, um, uh, Ms. Kim would tell me, that Alexis, you have, you have to work hard in class because you're not just competing against your classmates. You're competing with people from all over the world. And what messes so many people up in today is because you're doing better in school than your cousin, you think, oh, I'm, I'm ahead of the game. But you forgot there are people from other nations. That are lapping. First of all, their systems have lapped the U.S. system. So you can't look at just your circle, just your surroundings. You got to look at, okay, the bigger picture. And so when I did that, uh, God gave me exposure to some bigger things. Amen. All right, let me close here. But just, um, I was given an opportunity to go visit uh, last week. Remember, I was, I was out two Wednesdays ago. And Lord gave me a chance to visit uh, a great, great, great ministry in Jacksonville, Florida. A man I'd heard of him, never met him, and uh, got a chance to uh, tour their ministry, see their setup, to arise, walk around and see, to lift, look and see, to come out of my St. Petersburg tent. To come out of my small circle tent of pastors I fellowship with, who were all on the same level, and can kind of feel good about, well, we're we're doing it, we're doing it, and God will show you, you ain't doing nothing. And got a chance to tour and visit and see. I got a chance to see what I saw. Um, I, I, let me help you. 
I got a chance to see in manifestation what I had seen over the years in my spirit. I've never been exposed to that. No, nowhere. No, nowhere I've been. I've never been exposed to be able to see in someone doing, actually doing everything. From, from the housing to the clinic to the school to the businesses to everything. When, I, when y'all heard me talk about my $1 billion vision for this land, I saw it materialized. God allowed me to see. Why? So I would, I could conquer complacency. Did y'all forget that? Because if you get, if you're, if you're cool around your small circle, now I'm not telling you to ditch your friends. I'm not telling you to, I'm talking about, but you gotta, you gotta venture out. Venture out, and if they're not gonna go with you, leave them back, but you venture out. And go see something bigger, something greater than where you are, something bigger and greater than what you've talked about with your small circle. Once I saw it, then I knew it's possible. I know it can be done. Because now I saw it. That's why God told Abram, come out of your tent, look up, and try to count the stars. Because you keep talking about what you don't have and talking about this one son, this one, what he said, you don't get it. I'm trying to tell you that by the time I'm done, what I do feel is going to be as many as all the stars in the heavens. So we were there, and, and uh, it, it's, it was, it was, I heard somebody say it. It's kind of like Disney World. You couldn't, you couldn't take it all in in one day. You, you want, like need like three days worth of trip to see what's already there beyond what's in the works. Now, why is that important? Because God needed me to see it. So I wouldn't keep thinking I was thinking big. We think about putting chairs out. We think about two services. No, God said, I, I want to give you the whole city. How many of y'all have been to Jacksonville, Florida? You know Jacksonville's big. Jacksonville is land-wise land the largest city in America. Land-wise is the largest city in America. That church employs is the second leading employer on that side of town. The church. When I say the church, I don't just mean people who, who you know, run the church, but all the business entities and things that they do, community organizations, everything they do is they run all that. See, and if I hadn't seen that, I would have kept thinking I was thinking big. 
But now I realize I wasn't thinking big enough. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Ask your neighbor, are you thinking big? Or do you just think you're thinking big? That's an honest question. I mean, really, and I'm not trying to be funny about that. That's a really honest question. You know, I, here's, here's the kind of question I ask. How did Jeff Bezos become Amazon Amazon? He was always Amazon when they were in a garage selling used books out of a garage. They were already Amazon. But how is it now you can get your health care through Amazon? Health care through Amazon. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And I'm saying the, the issue in the body of Christ, this is my, my, my partner Bill Winston, this is what he deals with so much on the body of Christ. Our limited thinking keeps us tiny. And if you allow this word, I think it's a word. Help me if it's not. Uninfluential. Just go with it. Uninfluential. Not because we don't have the greater one inside of us, but because we don't let that nature come outside of us and think on a global level. Most of the people here in here, you have, if you have your own business, all you think about is making enough money for your business to pay your mortgage and your rent. If I can just make enough to pay for a vacation for my family, that's, that's good. And God is saying, I didn't give you business for that. That's the scripture I had in Hebrews 11, 32 and 33. They're men of God who subdued kingdoms. Another translation says it this way. They overtook countries. They overtook countries. When are you going to go abroad? I don't mean on a vacation. Talking about when your business is going to go abroad. When are you going to think, okay, how, how, do I, how do I learn about something called scaling up? How do I scale up my business? My wife mentioned her buddy, Don. Don is my buddy, too. Don told me about the other day, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was. He just came into his heart. You know, Don is one of the, America's premier painters. The great, I mean, literally, I'm not... I'm not souping him up. This is, he is literally known around America as one of America's premier artists in this nation. Sitting right here in our church. And uh, got in his mind the other day, I'm going to go down to Naples. Now that may not mean anything to you if you've never been to Naples. But if you've been to Naples, you know Naples. Naples is a whole different category of wealth and prosperity. My wife and I went down there a few years ago for, for our vacation because we wanted to dream. Boy, did we dream. 
We ran down, down there, Sister Marie, and we ran into this old guy. He was a, somehow old. He wasn't really old. He, on, on the beach, on the, on, the, on the pier. And he said, he said you, know, you know what? He said, if you're ever feeling old, and if you're ever feeling rich, come to Naples. Because there's always somebody older and always somebody richer. Always. You think you got something? Say, come to Naples. You see, you don't have nothing. And it came into, into Don's mind from the Lord. Go to Naples. Get into their gallery down there. He told me the story. And I said, Don, I've been teaching that for years. So our business people, if they get it, is what God talked about in Genesis. About there's, a, there's some places where the gold is good. And some of you, you're trying to do your business trying to sell to your cousins. And the people in your, in your little community who don't have money or they, they're not going to pay you what you're worth. God is saying, but it's, there, there's some good gold I have over here, but you got to rise and walk. And see something bigger. Thank you, Father, today for the word. I've given the people the word. I pray that they have received it. I pray that, Father, every heart is open. Every mind is open. You gave us these souls. Souls. Our minds, our wills, and our emotions. Our minds to think and to imagine things. We pray for an upgrade in our imaginations to let us image the images you have. Let us see something bigger, greater, superior and not be offended by it. God, I wasn't offended by what I saw in Jacksonville. I knew you were showing me something bigger to get me to think bigger. I pray that your people, that whenever they get a chance to rub shoulders with people who have more and do more and think bigger, that they don't get offended and that they don't draw back because they don't think they're qualified. But that they know that you have qualified us and requalified us if we messed up. That's what you told me a few weeks ago. You, you told me that, that, that you had requalified me. Thank you. I pray that God, these your people will soar, soar, soar to new heights. And not be, not be subdued anymore by small thinking. God, if there are people around us who are those mixed multitude people who keep talking about the garlic trays and the onions and the leeks and all that stuff and having us thinking small. Lord, we just got to remove ourselves from that kind of crowd. Get around people who think. Think big. So you can do in us and through us what you want to do. We submit ourselves to you. Have your way in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen.
before we close, if there anybody today in this place who you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, God is the biggest thinker that has ever been in the universe. He thought so big that he sent Jesus Christ for you and me to have life. If you're not born again, I want you to get born again to know Jesus Christ as your Savior today. You never become, became a child of God. You've never served Jesus Christ. You've never walked with him. You've never heard his voice. You've never felt his touch, never walked with him. Then I want you to have that opportunity today to get to know Jesus Christ. It's the biggest, best decision you can make in your life. This is more important than who you marry. It's more important than what college you attend. It's more important than your major. It's more important than where you choose to live. This is the one decision that has eternal